0: and welcome to our podcast. My name is Katie. My daughter Caroline and I have interesting conversations about everything under the sun, and we want to share that with you from different perspectives, ages, and life experiences. We can't wait to get started, so let's go. Welcome back everyone to our Coffee Talks. My name is Katie, and I am here with a very good friend and my personal grief counselor, Rosie Fox. So, Rosie, I am so excited to have you here, and I want to just briefly introduce you to our audience. Uh, Rosie is an advanced grief specialist and 30 years of addictions counseling in her history. Her uh, company is called Healing Our Hearts Now, and her website is healingourheartsnow.com. So welcome, Rosie. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Yes, I'm excited too, Katie. Thank you for having me here.
0: Of course. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a while now, and we've known each other for for quite a while. Um, and before we... I have so much I want to talk about, and I'm excited. I do want to say a couple of things. First of all, Caroline is so bummed she can't be here. Um, she wasn't available this morning. And I realized a few... about a month ago that doing a project with a college kid... <laughs> You've got to be a little <laughs> flexible. So I decided, and I I I'm gonna start having some guests on so that I can, you know, when Caroline can't be there, and even when she's here, we can have guests on. But um yeah. so she she sends her best and she wants to be here next time, but then she knows you too and, and has worked with you. And um, so we're really excited to have you. Um but before we jump in to talk about what you do and I have some special questions for you. Um tell us a bit tell us a bit about you and your business. What 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 do you do? Well, Katie, um and by the
1: way, I I'm going to I miss Caroline too. I wish she was here, but we will get to see each other again and do and hopefully, you know, like I like you said bring me back on and talk to her, her as well. Okay. So, Peeling in Our Hearts is a um grief recovery well it's grief program you know there's several programs i do but one of them that is pretty much a lot of people's favorite is the grief recovery program and so um i it it encompasses working with people with all losses not just you know death people when they think of grief they think automatically it's about somebody that died i work with people that have lost um children, not by death, but maybe lost a relationship with them. Maybe it's been a disconnection um, because of falling out or because um, it's been a rough relationship from the beginning or through a divorce, um, being split between partners. Um it can be um a move, like even college can separate families, you know, uh the distance, um, moving, you know, getting married things like that. There are changes in relationships that people don't realize that can disconnect or can bring you closer. But a lot of times, you know, we don't even realize that we're dealing with a loss and it may not even be one of those losses that you think it's like the boohoo, like this is traumatic loss. It may be a real subtle loss, like just the loss of having them there every day. You know, and having coffee and breakfast every day and knowing that you're going to come home and they're going to be there or they're going to become arriving sometime in the evening or during the week. And, you know, just it's that familiar pattern of behavior. And that can be a grief in itself. You know, we feel the sad feelings. We feel the loss. We feel an emptiness, but we don't know what that is. We just think, oh, I don't know what what I'm feeling. You know, some people say I feel down. I don't know that I'm feeling sad. You know, I just feel like or out of sorts, or irritated, or um, just you know, feeling disconnected, and we're not sure what that's all about. You know, people talk about empty nest syndrome all the time. You know, and they're getting more and more reality that, especially when people and I'm, I guess I'm talking a lot about college because we're talking about. I'm thinking about Caroline and being gone. You know, but we have that you know, when you're close with your child, and then it's a good thing. She's moving on. She's going to college. She's going to succeed. And it's everything that we work for, right, to get our children launched. But when they launch, it's like, oh, we didn't know we were going to have these after feelings. We didn't know we were going to have these feelings of missing them, you know. So there's that sadness and there's some grief. Well, what happens a lot of times is people come to see me and, you know, and like I said, there's many losses. But in this particular one. They don't know what what's going on in their life, you know, because that child is gone and and they they didn't connect it to why they're feeling depressed all of a sudden or they're having maybe arguments with their spouse. Let's say they're still married and their spouse. They don't know why things are irritable at home. Well, both partners are adjusting to that child being gone, you know, and so we kind of. um take it out on each other because we don't know what's going on in our feelings. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I find is, you know, I work with all kinds of losses and that's a particular one. But what I do find more than anything is that people come to me because life is not the way they thought was going to happen for them. Or they're at a place in their life where they don't know what's wrong with them. They're, they're lethargic. They're not getting up in the morning. Maybe they've gained weight and they don't know why they're eating so much. Or maybe they're starting to drink or maybe they're just working a lot, you know? And um, not, it just, they've lost their purpose, their zest, their mojo, I call it. And we start doing an assessment and we'll look at it. And a lot of times, I'm saying nine times out of 10, if not all, we find there's a tremendous part of losses in their life that they've never dealt with. And what I mean dealing with, people think dealing with is crying. Oh, I cried to, you know, I cried all about that back then. I cried to my mom. I cried to my sister. I cried to everybody that wanted to hear I cried. I've dealt with that. I'm done crying. So, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Because sometimes what we think is we think crying is dealing with it and necessarily not so. I have seen people not shed a tear and deal with it. Doesn't mean that crying is the first thing and only thing. And that's what you do, you know? And I think that's another reason people have a misconception. They don't want to do grief work is because they don't want to cry. <laughs> I don't want to cry. I'm dead crying, but cry, you know, for the last year over it, and I'm done crying. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm trying to get you to complete that emotional loss that you had with that, that connection to connect again so that you can start living your life and stop crying not that you're never going to cry about it you know like when you have a death let's face it your mother your husband somebody that's really close to you and they die you're going to miss them you're still going to have that sadness you know a divorce you're still going to have that sadness i'm not taking that sadness away if i could take that sadness away i would be probably in cancun right now just sipping on a margarita. Well, I wouldn't be sipping a margarita, but I'd be sipping on something, having a good time, you know, (laughs) because I would be rich if I could do that, you know, take all the sadness away. No, because our culture wants to be happy all the time. Unfortunately, we cannot be happy all the time. We have all feelings. So what we don't do will do us later. So we have to grieve and we Ah. have to feel all those feelings. So I just work with people to get them out of that that where they're stuck that loneliness that betrayal that anger that rage that is covering up that sadness because we have to feel that sadness so we can push forward and move forward into the present life because what we're doing is we're bringing all those feelings into the present life and not not processing them and mm-hmm. we're stuffed you know i call it like we are definitely um constipated you know, just think about that. I hate, you know, people laugh at me when I use that word, but it's true. We're emotionally constipated. We have just stuffed to the brim all this. And then we wonder why we're heavy with feelings. We're wondering why we can't get up in the morning. We're wondering why we um don't have a purpose or we don't feel like living, you know, because it's dragging us down. You know, we're not able to feel good feelings if we're stuffing up, stuffing the bad feelings, we're stuffing them all together, you
0: know right right i find all this so fascinating i could listen to you talk about it for hours and you know and and we have worked together for many many hours i don't even know how many um and talked for many hours i um i realize it's one of the most impactful things i've ever done has been to work with you and to go with through grief recovery as it's called um and i i do want to just back up a little bit because i want to remind or i want to tell everybody about how i met you and what the impact was that day. Um, I had just joined the group, the business, the BNI, the Business Networking International that you were a part of. And the group that, that we were a part of was is actually the biggest one, you know, I think one of the bigger ones in, in Southern California, um, from my understanding. And it's it um is it called the Wine Growers? I think it's called the Wine Growers BNI. Anyway, my business was the hot yoga studio and you were introduced and then you got up and everybody has to get up and introduce themselves as you were the, you know, the grief recovery counselor. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, there's a grief recovery counselor in this business group. Um, But what I was so struck by was how everybody responded to you. No matter, you know, there were lawyers, there were, you know, medical professionals, there were construction, you know, companies, there were, you know, beauty companies, there were realtors, all kinds, and they respected you, you know, to the highest level. And I could tell by the things they were saying. And this group was so open here. I was was at a business group, but they were, I saw in the room, people hugging, laughing, crying. And these people were really open. And I knew that you somehow had really touched a lot of these people. And so I know that um, it took a while before we got to know each other, but I remember we had to move to online during COVID. And this is what I want to tell the story. And we've probably had 70 of us on this Zoom call. And after one of the meetings, you called me on the phone and you said, is everything okay? I could just see in your face, something looked off. And I was like, okay, there's 70 little squares on that screen and we're probably one inch by one inch and you saw something in my face <laughs> and I think you knew something before I even knew it. That's how in- intuitive, you know, you were. And then we began to talk more and work together. You would hear things and what I had to say that I didn't even know were there. So that you're just, a you know, I want to say like one of the more skilled people I've ever worked with. And, um, you know, we've gotten to know each other, you know, a lot better since then but i um that's really how i got to know you and then once we started working together um it just you know went from there you know i i did the grief work i did that what's actually called the grief recovery process with you and that is a process that i felt gave me tools in my toolkit that i can use to this day um i have to be you know, sometimes remind myself that I have these tools. You know, I, I just wanted to sometimes just pick up the phone and call you, and and I do that too. But I think that um, knowing that I have these tools has been very um, made me feel stronger as a person as well. So um, my next question for you is is if you could talk a bit more about what is that grief work, what is it, and why did you decide to focus on that versus straight counseling, addictions counseling and things like that. So if you could talk more about this grief recovery process that you work with. Well, the grief
1: recovery process is very uniquely um, programmed because what it does is, like I said, it encompasses all losses. So we're not just talking about one loss. And I really believe a lot of our losses are entwined, you know. And so the the process is is, is taking, first of all, the awareness that you get. You know, just the awareness that you even have loss, right? I mean, so many of us are walking in this world, just like just doing life and not even realizing that we've had many losses that have hit us through our life that have affected us, but we have no idea. We interact with people every day. We, um, you know, have our relationships, which are family, which is work, which is kids, all that. And we communicate in a way that we've learned from generation to generation, our parents, you know, people around us. But we don't realize that some of that has set us up to um, create not only how we deal with loss, how we identify with loss, but maybe even create the loss, you know, in our relationships. You know, some people call it sabotaging. Oh, I've sabotaged this relationship, you know? And, you know, why do we sabotage it? Well, there's probably fear. There's probably hurt. There's probably control and anger and all that we have, especially if we've had a bad relationship prior. And we're not going to put all our eggs in the basket again. And so we keep a bay from, so we don't even give that opportunity for that person to really get to know us and give them a chance. Right. And, then when we get into the relationship we communicate just like we did in the last one and or we don't at all because we're gun shy now and we withhold and so that relationship can't flourish and that relationship isn't honest and so we have all these dishonest relationships and so i saw that as like when i lost my father um back in 1995 I had run from that loss. I didn't know it was running. I went to your typical group counseling. I went even went to a grief group with my mom thinking I was going to help my mother, right? But I was fine because I'm a counselor and I don't, you know, I know this stuff. Even though I wasn't really intensely working with grief back then, I was working with addiction, but grief would come into our treatment you know plans and we would do some education on it but would briefly touch on it and even back then I saw that there was grief going on in that we need to do more grief work there because I would have these big guys coming into the treatment center and they would put them in my group for anger management right and I laugh about that now because how, you know what do you manage anger that's ridiculous but anyways um so they would come in for anger management. And then within a few minutes of them beating the pillow that we had there for them or the beanbag or what we call it, Patakas, these rubber bats, they would be sobbing, actually sobbing in my lap. And I thought, this is about grief. And they're talking about their mothers and their fathers and their kids. And and so I would tell my treatment you know, director, program director, and he would say, no, no, we're here to do. Addiction and anger, that's the relapse trigger. Grief, yes, we work on grief, but that's not the big thing. You know, he wasn't going to work on that. He didn't see that. So spin forward, fast forward here years later, I'm over here in, in Temecula, and I start working for a treatment center, and I, they want me to do an education on grief. Well, my father died in 1995. Now, I'm over here in 2003, not knowing... That what I had done in 1995 is I had picked up the ball, so to speak, went to counseling, you know, went to this um, grief group with my mother, tried to help her and did a little bit on my grief. But I had proceeded to distract myself with work, with food, with control, relationship with my family and just buried, just buried it. I had no idea how much pain I really was in. I had a lot of dreams and expectations that didn't get met when my father died. I just had a baby and he was a year old and he was the boy that my dad always wanted. And I was going to live vicariously through them and he dies. And he had and I had a lot of guilt about that, too, because I'd wait seven years to have this child because I wanted to get my college done. I wanted to get a house and I was getting married and we had to wait and he kept patiently waiting for this grandchild. And when I finally told him I was pregnant, I was going to have this grandchild. And then we ended up having a boy. We were ecstatic. He was ecstatic. And then he dies a few months after my son turned a year. Out of nowhere, we didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't face it. I just ran from it. And I did the typical crying for it. And they, my husband sent me to a psychiatrist. said, you need to go on antidepressants because, you know, you're, he could see. I, I, My grief looked not like in the home. I wasn't crying all the time in the home. This is the crazy thing. People think that when you're in grief, you have this perception that somebody's in the home crying and depressed. My grief showed up with anger. I was angry everybody. I was hard to live with. In my home. And that's what my husband saw. You're not right. Something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so, um, fast forward, I'm in Temecula. The last thing I want to do is grief, (laughs) do an education on grief because they had me do it a couple of times in Orange County. And I would get up there and I would start, every time we talked about my dad as an example, I'd start crying in the middle of it. And I'd be so embarrassed. And I'm like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do that subject. I had come to Hmm. the conclusion and sure enough, I say, God had another plan for me and they threw me in this thing and they said, you're going to do this grief lecture. And the director saw me that night and said, you're perfect for this. And I'm like, I am not, I just wanted it over. I just wanted it over. And he kept pursuing me to do a whole program around this in at the center. And I finally did in 2007. And I thought I'd just keep it all educational, all head stuff. So I didn't have to get in the feelings that everybody else get in their feelings, but not me. So I tried to do manipulate that. And um, it worked for a little while until my mother died. Then it really caught up with me. And so, I I mean, I don't want to go on and on because I know we've got so much time. But that's kind of where... I don't know if I answered your question, but that's kind of where I, you know, it led me to. And it was my mom's death that really got me full force into doing this particular program because I realized that the emotional relationship with my father, with all the things in my life that I didn't realize, and including my mother, needed to be completed. There were dreams that were never met. There were expectations. There was the coulda, woulda, shouldas. There was the guilt. There was all those things that needed to be completed. Mm. And so I take people through that process. They become aware, they get support, they get uh, tools to apply. It's an application program and it's a recovery from that loss.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah, so I didn't know that story. That that that's what drew you to the actual um, working more at the grief recovery process. That it was yourself, and it, I, I hear that that saying, Phys- "Physician, heal thyself." Right? You know, so many times we're off teaching things, and and we're the ones that you know obviously need to to dive in to it. And that you know, that's and I wanted, a, 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 a message. Yeah,
1: go ahead. Excuse me, I want to interject. One of the things also was. There was nobody, I I was going to different counselors when my mom died, you know, because I was pushed into doing that and nobody understood grief. Mm-hmm. They would say they knew it. They would have it on their website or whatever. And I would go in there and I even had a counselor at one point said, you must be addicted to grief. And I was so angry. She wasn't hearing me. She wasn't here. And then I came back to her shh, about three months later, after I got all my anger out with another therapist about her and got into my feelings of grief, I went back to her and she told, she apologized to me. She said, I am so sorry. I had no idea what you went through. Since you've been here, I have lost somebody. I know what it feels like to lose somebody now. I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and that was a trained therapist, you know? So I realized, yeah, we, we are not equipped in society to deal with people's losses.
0: Yeah, and I agree that, you know, we don't know even what that means and the extent of it. And I, I will go so far as to say, I don't think people like to hear the word grief. I, I know I don't. I think, oh, it's it's almost a it turnoff. Like, oh, grief, I don't want to think about that. That sounds sad, you know? Or I haven't lost anybody. No one's died recently. I don't need that. Um, but, you know, from my experience and everything I hear you always tell me and, and listen when you listen to me, I feel that grief work is part of every relationship almost. I believe it's part of every human being because there is no human being that doesn't that doesn't experience loss. And in the beginning of this recording of this of this podcast you started to mention some very interesting examples of of loss. And I know that when I started doing the work with you, I had no idea that some of the losses in my life were affecting me so deeply and a lot of them were from childhood some were in my marriage, some were from um, more current times, you know, and you would even say to me, oh, did you work on this one? Don't forget, that's a loss. You know, I lost my business. You know, I recently lost my mother. You know, I did lose a a marriage and and, and then my kids, you know, when went away, you know, to live, not not living at home, that's a loss. Um, I've moved so many times in my life. Every single one of those was a loss because even though it wasn't a bad thing, it was a big change. I lost a group community, a home, a lifestyle. You know, I can't tell you the number of times we moved over the course of, you know, our marriage and, and again, it was a choice, but it was also a loss. And, um, you know, so they're not the always the obvious ones. They're not always, you know, like the, the obvious ones being death, divorce. um, But again, um, moving, or you mentioned, you know, even for children, you know, when their parents divorce and see things differently, when they go to college, you know, how they're feeling. So there's so many areas of it. And I just feel like there must be a word we can create for grief in relationships that just sounds more sexy because I think that people really need to like learn about this. I, I, I can't think of anything I've learned and I, I joke and I've joked several times that I was married for 26 years and, and it was before marriage too. I've always been doing self-help, you know, I've always been reading a self-help book, you know, the whole time. And, uh, looking back is about me, you know, it's really about me healing. And I've learned a lot about that, that, you know, you can be in a relationship with somebody and, you know, there's, there's issues with that person, but it's, it's really you with yourself and you getting strong with yourself. Um, which brings me to a question that I wasn't going to ask you, but I do want to ask you. I know that you told me how important it is to heal myself before I get into another relationship, right, to really work through the, the recovery and the healing. However, I also know that there's certain things you can't explore unless you're in a relationship that you really can't experiment with. You know, did, am I better? Am I there? Can I deal with this person now um, in a in a more healthy way than I dealt with in my last you know significant other. So like what's your stance on that? When do you know that you're ready to be in a relationship again after you have worked through some of this grief work? When are you ready to go try it out? When are you ready to to get back in there? I think that
1: um like for example, you know, going through the divorce, right? I think when you work through that process that we talk about completing that emotional relationship with that past person that you just got divorced or separated or whatever you know happened they died that you you did that work on them right and your relationship then i think that um sometimes I don't know. Everybody's different. Right. So I like just like grief, everybody's different. You know, you can't say how long it takes somebody to grieve and when, you know, when they need to stop grieving, because I don't I don't really think anybody ever stops feeling sad, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I think that people are always too much in a hurry because let's face it, we want to be in a relationship and we don't want to be alone, especially when we've been, you know, hurt and, and maybe like that, we miss that familiarity. You've been married 20 something years, you've had that relationship, you know, that's just, you know, and you see society and they're all coupled up and, you know, you want that for yourself, you know? And so, um, and you miss somebody there. And, and a lot of times, You know, I, I need you to, you know, think about beware when you're starting to feel like, I just, I just don't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. Then, then you're not ready yet. I, I would love for you to be alone and feel the, just when you know that you're good and that that relationship is just there to enhance it. It's not to complete you. It's there to bring you joy, but it's not to be your happiness. I think then you're like, yeah, I can I can give I can give and take, you know, what I mean, it's going to be reciprocal. It's not going to be me just like just I need him. I need her to complete me or to be with me in order for me to be okay. You know?
0: Yeah. And it's such an ironic thing, because when you feel like that and you could almost call that almost like an addiction, like an attachment, I have to have this. It's so hard to stop that, but that's exactly the sign that would be the sign to say, I'm not ready, right? Mm-hmm. And you've been through this with me when I was like fighting this like crazy, you know, and I'm just like, I, you know, but I've been alone for so long, I, I need, you know, and I felt like that's what I needed. And you were like, Mm-mm, Katie, you know, you need at least a year. And, and I was so, it was just so tough. I I really tried to mentally, uh, intellectually work this out in my head so that that was not true. Right. And in fact, the point I wouldn't even tell you, you know, what I was thinking <laughs> because I was scared that you'd get mad at me and I, or that you'd be like, what are you doing? You know, and I'll be honest with you, I am really glad that I am, I am taking this time alone to the point where I don't, I don't have, I really don't want to be in a relationship right now. And I feel really good about that. I'm not trying to say I don't want to have whatever, or I wouldn't like to hang out with some people, some, you know, some guys or do some fun things together, but I'm really in aware now. I think I got through the hard part. I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever um, had an alcohol addiction or cigarette smoking or anything, but I can almost imagine what it's like to get through that hard part and then be like, okay, you know, I'm in this recovery part, you know, I'm in this abstinence or whatever this is. Cause I feel like that's where I'm at. You know, I'm just like, I'm actually, this is good. This is good for me, you know? And where someone says, oh, you should think about dating. I'm like, no, 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 you know? So I was just wondering, well, what am I going to know? But I think, you know, I'm, I'm in this process right now. I'm in this year of time that you were so right, Rosie, you were so right. So uh, I'm really grateful, um, but it's hard. Cause it's, it's like the one thing you want sometimes. And it's the thing that you really shouldn't, it's, it's the distraction to what you really need to go through. And um, so I've learned that. Um, but I wanted to ask you too, for because this is so powerful and it's so helpful. So people even know about this process and I bet they don't do it. So what's the biggest obstacle do you think to people to actually getting themselves help like this, like grief recovery?
1: First, admitting they need help.
0: Mm.
1: A lot of people don't admit they need help. Because we've got that belief system, you know, you pull your bootstraps up, you move forward, this don't be a wuss. I mean, it's just, a, everybody breaks up, everybody has a loss, what's wrong with you? You know, you're, you're made of, you're made of a fox background, or you know what I mean? Like, you know, you have good stock, you should be able to handle this, you know, we've got all those mistaken beliefs of what it. you know, what is human, you know? I mean, like, if you if you had a heart attack, would somebody be standing over you saying, "Don't go to the hospital. You can weather this. You're strong. You'll heal your heart right here and right now." Don't let those doctors touch you, because otherwise, if you do, you're weak. You'd go, "No way. I'm taking to the hospital," and he's saying, "Take me to the hospital." I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we why don't we treat our heart? Our emotional heart, which is the most precious things we've got, you know, the most important organ, why don't we treat that the same way? You know, Mm. there, I I mean, Loma Linda Hospital is full of people that have thought they were going to be strong or told they were going to be strong or didn't have the coping skills or didn't allow themselves to get help. And they got into that depression to the point of suicidal, homicidal, and some of them are graves right now they're in, literally in the grave we have a high rocketed depression and suicide and it's it's when it's going down to our youth you're seeing more youth killing themselves and cutting you know all the gang stuff there's a lot of loss in gangs and violence that nobody's even touched or dealt with what we do is we incarcerate them we don't get them help you know, it's, it's, it, it it's, it's not in our DNA, I guess, out here, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's a huge thing is to be able to admit that they need help mm-hmm. and to know that it's not about weak. It's about, you know, not the shame in itself. I mean, why did I wait to get help all those years is that, and here I'm a counselor and I know it works and I know people need it, but for me to do it, there was shame all wrapped around it. Mm-hmm. I had put myself on that pedestal of not being human. You know, I had listened to other people saying to me that I should have it all together and not need this. I mean, it's crazy. And mm-hmm. I had education behind me. I had experience behind me. I've, see, I've worked with so many people, and yet I didn't want to go get help because of the stigma. It's no different than addiction. People don't get help for their addiction too because of stigma years ago people were dying because they couldn't go out and get help. they wouldn't admit it. Now more and more people, employees, employers are recognizing that it is a disease, it is an illness and they're they're let, getting the people help. They're confronting it, you know they're putting the shame out of it. But I tell you it it was it's been a rough road over, over 30 years of watching that you know so i think that's the number one thing you know if anything and then the next thing is fear i don't want to go through pain i got people in my office all the time saying i don't want to do this because i i don't want to feel the pain i said you're feeling the pain every day what you're doing is you got the you got the wound and it's oozing and you know you need stitches And you're afraid to go get the stitches. So now you're dealing with the blood and the pain every day, or like the uh, root canal, right? You need to go to the dentist Mm -hmm. and you you don't want to go to the dentist because you don't want to feel the pain, but you're feeling the pain even worse. So once you go to the dentist and get the work done, two days later, you're like, God, I wish I would have done that three years ago. I feel so much better.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And that, you know, when you say fear too, I think, I think that some, for many of us, it's also we're so used to the way we are that pain is almost a comfort. It's like we we you we, we, we call it a pain. It might be more of a a habit or our lifestyle or how we've been covering things up all this time. And you know you're going to start to have to unravel that, and you're not ready. You just don't want to face it, right? Because you know it's like peeling layers of an onion. You know you're just going to go deeper and deeper and I think there's a sense in us that we just think I can't even go there, you know, um, because deep down, you might not want to face what's there. And I'm sure many of us have felt that way or do, you know, I know I have. I know I did. You know, I don't think I con- I had things on like a subconscious level that I was holding at, at you know, arm's length for myself because I didn't want to face them. Um, and you know, when you go into therapy or grief recovery that, you know, these things are going to have to be unearthed and your life's going to change, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to change and we don't like change, right?
0: No, no, we're so used to the way, the way things are right. So Rosie, I want to thank you for being with us today on our coffee talks and giving us so much great information about how grief work can really help our relationships i know i always learn from you and i believe our listeners are learning from you as well i also want to uh, let everyone know that we are going to take a little pause and put our coffee cups on the shelf caroline and i have decided it's a good time for that she being in college and a senior is faced with a lot of stress in her last semester uh, making decisions for her future finish finishing up courses and we've made an executive decision to take a little pause but uh, we do plan to be back we are so grateful for this opportunity that we've had to come together and record these 10 episodes in our first season we will be back for a second season um, maybe when things calm down for her, but partnering with a college student, as I said, you know, has its challenges, and I have just been so grateful to be able to to do that because, um, as a mom in my life, this project has really uh, let us allowed us to grow, reach out and connect with people, and I hope it's helped uh, people out there in some way. So goodbye for now. Again, oh, we, we do hope to hear from you in the meantime. Email us at podcast at gmail.com. You'll find us on Facebook and Instagram at Talks rcoffietalks and podcast for Instagram. We'd like to leave you the way we always do. There's a lot of change. It's part of life.